to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this guy on. He's a former FBI special agent. He's also an author. His name is Thomas J. Baker. Tom, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good, Joe. How are you today? I'm living the dream. Really a pleasure to have you on. I saw the notes uh, leading up to this, and I'm really, I'm really glad to meet you. And I think you've got some information and some, some knowledge that my folks who are watching and listening are going to love. Go and get his book, uh, thomasjbakerbook.com. And uh, it, the book's name is The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. Boy, that's so timely, isn't it? It certainly is. Now, is this something that you started writing before we got into how horribly politicized it is, or is this very recent? Well, it's fairly recent. It's I started writing some op-eds about this during the Russian collusion fiasco, right. and then I put them together. And uh, some of the early write-ups in the book, as you probably see, were on some uh, historic cases I had a little involvement with. So those I had written up earlier, but I've been putting the book together over the last year or two. ThomasJBakerBook.com, that's the website. Go and buy this book right now. Great insight into policing in America as well. So let me ask you about the FBI. What was the intention? I mean, it sounds like it's the bureau that investigates federal crimes, but it's turned into so much more than that. Was the original intent what I think it is, that it should just be looking out as the, the top agency for law enforcement in the country to make sure that we get the bad guys? Well, of course, it was the federal law enforcement agency for uh, almost 100 years now. But they were given uh, an anti, uh, or I should say, uh, an anti-spy mission for years, and that was domestically to to be after any spies in our country. But the culture, the ethos, the way the FBI operated was always as a law enforcement agency. And that was key. And that's what that's almost the main point in my book. Tom, when did it get politicized? Did that happen under J. Edgar Hoover? Is that more recent than that? No, it's it's the main thing. It's it happened under under Mueller. Um, Robert Mueller uh, became the FBI director just a few days before the September 11th attacks, right? Uh, which happened on a Tuesday. On Saturday, September 15th, he was summoned to Camp David, where President George W. Bush was. Um, hunkered down, actually, with a couple of his top advisors. Uh, Mueller went in to give the FBI report on the investigation. Now, it was only three and a half days between Tuesday and that Saturday morning at Camp David. Right. Mueller gave the report, and, and Joe, the FBI then did what it does best. It investigated, and the FBI in just three and a half days had identified the 19 hijackers, their financing, their associates, wow. their travel patterns, their credit cards, their rental cards, the whole thing, back to their connection to al-Qaeda. When he was done expecting a lot of praise and thanks, George W. Bush just looked at Mueller and said, I don't care about that. I just want to know how you're going to prevent the next one. Mueller was humiliated, and he resolved, and he told us this several times. This is well-documented. He resolved after that to change the culture of the FBI, to change it from a law enforcement organization to an intelligence organization. That had a lot of bad, unintended consequences. And I want to get into that. It's Thomas J. Baker. He's a former federal um, special agent, FBI special agent. He's also an author. The book is called The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. Go and get that by going to his website, thomasjbakerbook.com. So I was a television news anchor when 9-11 happened, and when we were trying to uncover exactly what it was that went down that day, we knew it was bin Laden almost immediately. That day, we were talking about Osama bin Laden. 
Um, but but right after that, we started getting wind that under under Clinton, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, none, nobody was sharing any information with each other. Uh, had we shared information, could we have prevented what happened on 9-11? Well, the September 11th commission concluded that, yes, possibly, because there were so many balls that were dropped, not just by the FBI, but by the CIA, as yeah. you say, and by others. And there was certainly a lack of communication and a lack of cooperation. That was that was clearly identified, and that is clearly so. But in correcting that, they created an environment where now the FBI will accept any referral from the CIA, uh, where where in the past they would look at each referral, each case on its own merits. So that, that bore poisonous fruit in the Russian collusion investigation where the FBI took off down this rabbit hole uh, which we now know was a p- complete rabbit hole of of Trump and his Trump campaign right. colluding with the Russians, and we know it just wasn't so. Had they looked at that on its own merits, they never would have initiated that investigation. Well, I think, I think it begs this question, though, Tom. Uh, they had to know that it was false because Comey himself and and others who were working, you know, uh, in getting these FISA warrants, they kept on putting these news stories back out into the news to re-up the warrants. They had to know that it was fake. They had to know that the dossier was was no way um, uh, um, something that was real. They couldn't verify it. So is it your, again, I'm, I'm making assumptions, but you know better than I do. Uh, is it your belief that they all knew that it was fake, but they wanted to get Trump out of office and they're going to go through with it? Or do you really believe that they didn't know that it was fake and they went with it because they really thought it was a real investigation. I think there are two chances there. Either they believed it or they didn't believe it. And, and strangely enough, Joe, both can be true. Really? At the same. But, but here's definitely what happened. The, the cultural change that Mueller began to change the culture, the atmosphere in the FBI was, a, was and you, you just brought his name up, was exacerbated by the poor leadership of James Comey. Right. He was a man who clearly was in love with himself and, and held himself above everybody else and everybody else's this thinking and input. That's what that's really the culmination of the two is what gave us a lot of these disastrous problems. So he spent millions and millions of dollars, over $30 million on that stupid probe. It didn't make any sense. Adam Schiff lied in his intelligence committee. That's why he's been kicked off the committee now. He knew that he didn't have any backup of this. He said he would bring witnesses forth that would say, we saw Trump there. We had pictures of Trump. We have video. None of that existed because it never happened. So what happens now? Can you fix the FBI? Because just recently we had a guy who was arrested in an FBI raid at his home in front of his seven kids because he dared pray at an abortion clinic. The FBI is is super um, uh, politicized now. It hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. Well, sadly, Joe, I think you're right. And, and what's happened in each instance, beginning with uh, Comey struck McCabe being shown out the door up to up to the, the present moment, um, with the arrest of an assistant director from uh, the New York office right. and and the showing the door to the uh, assistant agent in charge in Washington field who was covering up the Hunter Biden thing. Each time that happens, uh, the current management of the FBI says, well, we've gotten rid of the bad potatoes. They use different words for them, but that's that's <laughs> right. what and and they still haven't looked at what is the underlying cultural change that has allowed all these problems to suddenly bubble up to the top. That's what has to be looked at. To change the culture, you have to recognize that there's a need to change the culture, and you have to do a lot of things big and small. 
I've had whistleblowers from the FBI on the show, uh, Thomas, and, and they're out there fighting as hard as they can to illuminate, shine a very bright light on the fact that the that the management in the FBI is super politicized. You brought up Hunter Biden's laptop. They were offered the laptop in September of 2019. They refused to take it from the shop owner. Then they eventually got it in December or November of 2019, a full year before the 2020 midterm. And instead of doing something with it and finding out exactly how corrupt or not corrupt the Biden family might be, they sat on it and, and they had 51 former or current intelligence agents write this stupid letter saying that it was Russia, uh, Russian dis- disinformation when they knew that it wasn't. At that point, we're now at the culmination, we're at the height of politicization of this organization. They were, they're not looking to help us at all or enforce the law. They're looking to give cover to some and expose others. What do we do about it? Joe, you're absolutely right. And here's the underlying problem. It's too much like an intelligence agency. You just mentioned these 50 uh, officials. Yeah. who They gave an opinion. They gave an estimate. They gave a best guess. That's what you do in an intelligence agency. Let, let me just make this one point. It's the underlying point of my book. In a law enforcement agency, there's a certain culture, a certain mindset. Every day, consciously or unconsciously, you live for that day when you're going to have to go to court Raise your right hand and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You're dealing in facts, as opposed to an intelligence agency that deals in best guesses and estimates. Guesses aren't allowed in the courtroom. And that's the fundamental underlying flaw that's come about that's allowed a lot of these abuses, and that's what they are, abuses, to take place. It's uh, Thomas J. Baker. Get his book. It's called The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. Go to thomasjbakerbook.com, thomasjbakerbook.com. When it comes to the 50 or 51 intelligence people that signed that stupid letter, um, I don't even think that it was a best guess or an an estimate, but you're the expert. You can correct me. These people had to know it was really his laptop. These were really his text messages. They were really his his, um, emails. They were really his videos, these disgusting videos with girls and women. We don't even know how old they were. So why would they even pretend to think that it wasn't real or that Russia would have put it out when they know themselves they got it from the shop owner where Hunter Biden dropped it off? Well, there is an un- it's very clear there's an under- there was an underlying bias against Trump right. and there's an underlying bias in favor of, of Biden and the Democratic left. But as regards specifically the laptop, th- that whole situation is so absurd because Hunter Biden never, as far as I know, in fact, until almost this day, he's never alleged that his laptop was stolen. Right. He's never alleged that it was hacked. And the FBI had it in, the, in their possession. And we know, I know, that they have the expertise to, in very short order, I mean, a matter of hours or days, determine the veracity, the genuineness of the stuff in the software on the laptop. Right. And we now know, and thanks to uh, the, the book that was written, A Laptop from Hell, yes. it, is, it is all his stuff. There's no issue about it. it, it the whole thing is absurd. And, and the correspondence that's loaded up in there, anybody takes the time to read any of that, and now they can. It's so damning, it's beyond belief how damning it is. It is. It is a former FBI special agent and author now, Thomas J. Baker. Get his book, thomasjbakerbook.com. The name of the book is The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. So let's compare and contrast how Biden is being treated on these documents and how Trump was treated on the documents. We know, you and I am sure agree, that the Presidential Records Act and the fact that he can declassify anything he wants as he's the president means that Donald Trump could have anything in his his home skiff guarded by the 
the Secret Service that he wants. Joe Biden was not the president, had no right as a senator or a vice president to have anything, uh, not, not even look at these things unless he was given approval by the president or the agency to have any of these documents, yet he's being handled with kit gloves and Donald Trump is being looked at as some sort of an evil criminal. I mean, just that example on its own tells you the problem with the FBI, doesn't it? Well, the, the term I use, and I, I keep going back to this, is abuse, abuse yes. of authority. Uh, undoubtedly, in fact, in fact, the, the search of Donald Trump's personal residence in Florida was legal. They, they went in, they had probable cause, they went before a magistrate, they got a search warrant, they conducted a raid. That was all legal. But it's still an abuse of authority. It was unnecessary. They, they could have gotten that by continuing negotiations, right. by summons, by a subpoena. They did not have to conduct an raid, and frankly, an armed raid, against the personal residence of a former president of the United States. It was an abuse of authority. And that's what we've seen consistently here, Joe, is abuses of authority, whether it was the, the arrest uh, using such heavy-handed tactics arresting that right-to-life worker in Philadelphia, right. uh, the way General Flynn was treated, uh, every step along this way, even the three renews, renewal FISAs against a member of Trump's staff, it was all an abuse of authority. It may have been narrowly legal, but it's still an abuse of authority. And in the past, FBI directors, uh, and I, I can cite examples for you, were always on guard are we using the least intrusive methods possible? Yeah. That seems to have gone completely out the window. Well, when you send 30 frogmen over to Mar-a-Lago, you know, the, the hostage rescue team, and then they go through Melania's, you know, uh, dresser, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I agree with you on paper, that was absolutely legal because the magistrate should never have signed that, that warrant. When he signed the warrant, the FBI had the authority, but that warrant was so general. It said, take anything that, that would be marked dated January 20th of, of 2017 to January 20th of 2021 you can't just put out a general broad um, um warrant like that and as you said he was negotiating with the fbi the doj said hey do us do us a favor put another lock on the door they'd already seen everything that he had so what they did there was a show of force and as you said an abuse of authority the way they're handling biden who by the way uh, by the law is much more egregious in these documents is completely different. Is that because Merrick Garland is in charge of it? And that's why the difference between Trump and Biden? Because they're not even handed at all. And one, uh, and I can make the argument, Trump didn't do anything wrong. The other, Biden had to have done something wrong. He shouldn't have this stuff. Well, you can make that argument. And, and I go back to a lot of the things that are, that are done and were done are technically legal. They're yeah. within the law. They're within the authority. And, and, and often sanctioned by a magistrate or a judge who issues the warrants, be it an arrest warrant or a search warrant. Right. But so much of it is not necessary. It can be done in a much lower keyed manner without the intrusion against the U.S. citizen. Agreed. It doesn't matter if the U.S. citizen is a former president. You or I shouldn't be treated the way some of these individuals have been treated in the recent noteworthy cases. Well, it's like them showing up, the frogmen showing up in Fort Lauderdale at 6 a.m. at Roger Stone's house. How stupid was that? I mean, the guy wasn't going to go anywhere or do anything, and, and he was very, very available. So just doing that, and by the way, tipping off CNN was another thing. They were there with rolling cameras. That's exactly what this agency has become. So so one last time, let me just ask you one last time, and go to thomasjbakerbook.com. Um, is there a way to reform it? Do you have to just get rid of the, if Trump were to be reelected, does he just clean out the FBI? You can't just get rid of everybody. What do you do? Well, what you have to do, what has to happen is there has to be a recognition that this is a problem. That that can be done inside the D Department of Justice and the FBI. And then 
And, and there's textbooks written about for corporations, how you change culture. You have to do a lot of big things and a lot of small things. You have to adjust your mission statement, yeah. which they changed several years ago. And you have to be consistent. And I think in the case of the FBI, return to a total emphasis on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and enforcing that correctly. That's what has to be done. There is a role for Congress as well on some of these issues like the Pfizer Act, yeah. but a lot of it can be done internally if there's a will to do it and if there's a recognition of the problem. It is um, Thomas J. Baker. Get his book, thomasjbakerbook.com. It's called The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. You've got a promise that you'll come back, but before I let you go, maybe give me 30 seconds because you're a policing expert, and 30 seconds is nowhere near enough, but maybe give me a very, very short answer if you don't mind. Um, the attack on police in this country is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It looks like a psyop to me. How do we restore the good name and the good reputation of police in this country when so many in the country are attacking them? Well, once again, is a lot of things have to be done big and small, and, and police chiefs themselves have to be consistent in the lessons yes. they ha handle. Uh, I think an emphasis, a re and, and, and this was a big thing emphasized years ago, first-line supervision in police agencies, the first-line supervisor in most police agencies is the sergeant. He's the one who's actually out on the street with the uniformed officers, and they have to have sergeants with backbone, and the chiefs have to back them up. And when they see guys start to misbehave a little bit, they have to have the guts to say, hey, fellas, knock it off. Stop that. We're not doing that. So it's training and it's supervision and also recruitment, recruiting college, recruiting competent character people with good character. Yeah. Those are the three things, recruitment, supervision, and training. Makes perfect sense. Uh, sense. ThomasJBakerBook.com. Tom, thanks a million for coming on. Let's do it again, okay? Thank you, Joe. Thank you for your time. You're and very thank welcome. You. Great job you do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. We're back after this. Stay right here. Bye-bye. This is the Joe Pag Show. We appreciate Mr. Baker coming on. Let's do some pop culture. Yep. All right, Paul, a quick one. What do you have? Of course, and it's like a funny story. Uh, so Derek Jeter was on uh, Jimmy Fallon, and they were playing uh, some True Confessions game. And he admitted to the fact that back in uh, 2004, he was in a slump. And to get out of that slump, he wore a gold thong under his uniform. I'm sorry. It sounded like you said gold thong. Yes. Okay, good First stuff. The bat, oh, thank you. Home run. <laughs> we got to go. That's Polo. That's Monica. I'm, see, I'm Joe. See you, bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show. <laughs>